We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. If you're not too sure how to, if you haven't registered for conference and you're not too sure how to do that, come and see myself. Uh, one of us will, will help you register if, uh, if you're not too sure how to do that. Uh, we can do that um, even if while you're buying coffee they can register you there. We can do that, can't we? Yep. Um, so if you've got any questions about that, um, uh, make sure you ask someone who looks like they know what they're talking about. Who knows? Who looks like they know what they're talking about? Everyone's shaking their heads. Hey, we've been in a series called Encounters with God. And um, I want to share, uh, it's my friends over there, uh, Sharon and Trevor, give us a wave. Uh, Sharon, me and Sharon used to sell designer menswear at Tea Tree Plaza for many years, dressed the northern suburbs, didn't we? Yeah. And uh, since we've left, it's sort of gone downhill. Are you still there? Are you still there? Oh, I should have retired. Yeah, I retired a while, a while before. Ah, the good old days. Hey, I can still go into Meyer at Tea Tree Plaza. And I see a code on the price tag and I know that's gone down 25% next week. I'm coming back. They haven't changed it. Ah, the old quit cycle. Encounters with God. John chapter 7 verse 38 says, Jesus said... Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. There's an invitation. Anyone who believes, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Uh, John 4 verse 14. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. Never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, we can drink from God himself and it seems like he deposits something within us. A living water, the Holy Spirit, a spring, a well within us. And um, today in this series, Encounters with God, I want to talk about the well within. The well within. You have a well within you. A, a well of uh, living water. It says it's bubbling up. It's from God. It refreshes us. It keeps us spiritually alive. Uh, in one version, that, that scripture says it's welling up for eternal life or to internal life. And Jesus came to give us life or eternal life. And that's not talking about when you die. It's talking about abundant life now and then on for eternity. When he talked about abundant life or life, he just wasn't talking about the flip side of the grave. He's talking about now. I came to give you life now. It starts here. And we can live refreshed. We can live full of his presence. We can live with abundant life. Uh, in fact, you know, Jesus himself said, John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I come to give you life in all its abundance. And, uh, you know, God wants to revive us and refresh us like a cool drink on a hot day, a life-giving relationship. Now, Ben last week spoke from Revelation chapter 1. And there's a scripture right at the end of Revelation, verse 21, 
verse 6, and it says this. And he also said, this is Jesus, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Freely from the springs of the water of life. Now, people are always telling me, Darren, you need to drink more water. Has anyone ever said that to you? It's not because you're thirsty. My wife drinks about 27 cups a day. And I drink the water contained in coffee and tea. But, you know, if you don't drink water, it's, you know, you get uh, dehydrated, you get a headache, whatever it might be, you get fatigue. And it's not just about thirst, it's also about health, isn't it? You know we're about 60% water, did you know that? You're basically like a cucumber walking around. Actually, you know, cucumbers are like 95% water, but you're 60% water. And I think we're the same sort of spiritually, we're meant to understand that principle, that we don't need water just because we're thirsty. We actually need it to be healthy, to be spiritually healthy. And um, I want to ask you, how's your well going? How well is your well? How's it, how's it doing? Just look at the person next to you, have a look at their, them, just see... What do you think? How's their well doing? Are they looking refreshed? Are you looking, you know, a little bit dried out? How well is your well? I'm going to read a story about wells from the book of Genesis. Uh, verse 26, uh, chapter 26, verse 12, we're going to start from. When Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. That's, not, that's pretty good, isn't it? For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. Now, I love that verse in the King James Version. It, it says this. He began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. <laughs> New King James. I like that. He acquired so many flocks, sheep and goats and heads of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. This is where you cue the scary music, you know, the Philistines. The Philistines filled up Isaac's well with dirt. Yeah. So um, uh, these were the wells that had been dug by the servant of his father Abraham. So he filled, they filled his wells with dirt. Have you ever felt like someone's filled your well with dirt? Sometimes our, will, our wills, our wells, our wells, our wills fall off. No, our wells, sometimes our wells get filled with dirt. And these were wells that had been dug by his father. I'm going to read on, verse 16. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to lead the country. Go somewhere else, for you become too powerful for us. So, Isaac moved to the Gerar Valley where he set up tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled up after Abraham's death. So Isaac restored the names Abraham had given them. You know, I like that. Sometimes you, you need to call things by the right names. We call things doomed when we perhaps should call them hope. Dead and gone when we should 
uh, speak life into things. Uh, we're up to verse 19. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gera Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Wow. But then the shepherds from Gera came and claimed, this is our water. They said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herbs, herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, and that means argument. Isaac's men dug another well, but then there was another dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, that means his hostility or, or opposition. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well, three wells. Well, well, well. Abandoning that one, he dug a third well. There was no dispute over it this time, so he named the place Rehoboth, which means open space or room enough. Room enough. At last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in. So we've got these Philistines, and you might have heard of the Philistines. Um, the Philistines were basically the traditional enemies of Israel. And they're nasties, right? They're, they were, you know, David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. This is a couple of hundred years before them, a few hundred years. And they're intimidating. In, in that area, they were the first sort of group of people to use iron swords. They were the first group to use them. Everyone still had the, you know, the sticks and things like that. And they were the first one. And they were fearsome. And... Uh, they sort of appeared overwhelming and they taunted their enemies and they weren't like, like a passive nation. They were really aggressive. They were, you know, just the, the invading type. The, and one, at one point in time it says they captured the Ark of the Covenant when David was around and took it away. And uh, the rep, uh, Philistines represented things that fill up your wells. Fill up the wells in your life. And the things we face sometimes can look enormous, like, like a giant. And uh, it says that they were so jealous of Isaac's blessing that they didn't attack his men. They didn't steal some of his sheep or his cattle. What did they do? They filled up his wells. That was their strategy. We want to take these people out. We're going to fill up their wells. Even though they had an arm, you know, they could have done all sorts of things. That was, that was the thing they did. They filled up the wells. And we're all going to have things in our life that fill up the wells. Our wells are the things that keep our relationship with God fresh. You know, like the, our worship, the, the Holy Spirit, the Word. It's how we connect with the life giver. It's, it's why we, we connect with one another. And the Philistines filled up their wells with what? Dirt. What else do you fill up a well with? And, you know, when I think, for me, the earth or the dirt, it, it talks about the things, you know, the natural things of the world. Maybe the cares and the concerns of the world. We've got things in our life every day that we've got to deal with, you know. Sometimes it's a situation, sometimes it's a person, and it's the same person again, or the family member, or, or the bills, or whatever it might be. The situations that we deal with, the cares of the world. And um, if we allow them to take priority in our life, to take our attention, to have our mind fixed on those things, it seems to be the things that fill up our wells. Um, we all have concerns. 
And you've got to deal, you, you don't hide from your concerns, you've got to deal with them. But it's where you place them in your life. If you allow them to consume you, to just have your focus on them so they're bigger than they need to be, guess what? Your wells get filled up. When they're in their right position, you know, when they're not number one, when, when they're dealt with in the right place, it's okay. But when they become the big thing, it just fills up the wells in our life. In the parable of the sower, I don't know if you remember, he sowed seeds and in one, one part the thorns grew up and they were the cares of the world and they strangled the word of God. And that's what the cares of the world can do. They can strangle what God wants to do in our life. Now, we deal with them, but we don't let them to lead, allow them to lead us. We don't let our cares dictate what we do. We get that from the presence of God. We need to maintain the wells. Now, Isaac, read, it says that he re-dug some of the wells which his father Abraham... And I reckon in your life there'd be some people who helped dug some wells or dig some, digged, dug, dug, digged some wells in your life. I don't know, I can think of Pastor Don, Daniel, who might have dug a few wells in my life. What about people in your life? Sometimes we need to re-dig those wells and just learn, you know, get into those patterns again, remember some of those things of the past so we can, you know, get back to that spot that someone opened up or someone showed us. I want to encourage you to do that. Someone else might have uh, prayed over you or showed you a, a principle or a pattern that just released, re- released life into your life. Maybe you need to redig those wells. And uh, sometimes they just get filled up because of neglect. And we need to rediscover some principles sometimes. But sometimes we need to dig a new well as well. Dig the old wells, redig the new wells because there's something new for us. And I tell you what, there's an encounter with God for you when you understand that there's a life-giving source and you can dig a well. I want to encourage you. There's a promise of refreshing. How do you dig your wells? I don't know. might be through singing and worship. It's, it's, it's through the word, the, the Bible, keeping that alive, through prayer, through fellowship with one another, even through serving, through just being like Ben said, being in the room. It's so important. You know, when they, Isaac moved to the new place and he went to re-dig wells or dig some new wells, he had some problems. And the first well he, dig, he dug, they called it argument. And he had to abandon that one. And I wonder, it, it said in verse 20, the local shepherds claim this is our water and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So they named the place Esek, which means argument. You know, when you try and dig a well, get connected with God, every argument comes in your mind while you can't do it. You've got something else to do. As soon as you... Is, is anyone else like this? As soon as you go to maybe spend some time with God, all these things happen. Oh, hang on, haven't fed the cat yet. Or, or whatever it might be. Uh, or the text comes up. Or whatever it might be. Every distraction, every reason. And then why, why you can't do it. And uh, 
you know, to win, sometimes you've got to change the way you think. Change the way you think. And don't let those sort of arguments come up in your mind that stop you from connecting with God. I know some people don't come, maybe not in this place today because of some argument in their mind. It's just a thought pattern. In fact, uh, Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5, it says this. I don't think I gave you uh, this scripture, but it says, We as humans don't wage war with human plans. We use God's mighty weapons, not the worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. And it says this. It says, With these weapons we cast down every argument that exalts itself about... uh, exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we take every thought into captivity. So uh, this is what we've got to do when we're digging. Well, when a thought comes, you, you grab it. And you take it to, say, the Bible. And if it doesn't line up with what the Bible, Bible the principles of the word, we discard it. We take control of those, those thought patterns in our life. So they had arguments. The second, they tried to dig the well again. And they named that one Opposition. Sounded like there was a real fisty fight there. It wasn't just these things in there talking, it was real opposition. And I know when we try to dig a well, distractions come. All of a sudden, you, you go to spend some time with God, and then oh, I get a call. Oh, someone's got a flat tire, I've got to go and do this. Or um, outside influences, you know, the phone rings. It's just things seem to come against us which aren't. Uh, in our mind, aren't in our control. The kids go mad, even in the busyness. I remember I was digging a hole once. Yeah. I was in uh, Adelaide and I was building a retaining wall and on this old farm site. And we dug about that far down for a post, right? And about, oh, a metre down, there was an iron dropper across the hole. I don't know how it got in there. And I only had that far to go, and there's this iron dropper down the bottom of the hole. So after some gentle prayer, you had to deal with the opposition because it was just before I got to the goal. And sometimes that happens. You know, opposition often comes just before the dawn, just before the breakthrough. And I'd encourage you, if you think, feel like things are coming against you, that's often the case. The night is darkest before the dawn. Uh, and often things seem to come against us just before, you know, that breakthrough moment. Arguments and opposition. So they re-dug another well, and they finally, uh, it says in uh, verse 22, Abandoning that one, he dug another well and the people left him alone. So he called it Rehoboth, which means enough room. And uh, I want to encourage you to persevere. Persevere. Because if you read the story even further on, we're going to read from verse 23 now. So from there Isaac moved to be Sheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival, after he dug this well. I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham. Don't be afraid, I'm with you and I'll bless you. I will multiply your descendants, you'll become a great nation and I'll do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. So what did Isaac do after he met with God? He built an altar there 
worshipped the Lord. He set up camp in that place. And is, what else did he do? He just dug another well. Because that's what you do. When God shows up, dig a well. You know, make the most of it. Now, we're going to leave that story and we're going to travel in the Bible forward 1,800 years. Okay. And we land in John chapter 4. 1,800 years later. Verse 4. Thanks, Andy. Jesus had to go through Samaria on his way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village called Sychar, where the field of Jacob gave, uh, the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Guess what? One of these wells. Still there, 1,800 years later. And Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So this is the well that Isaac, our son, had dug. Maybe even the, who knows if it's the same well. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had come to the village to buy food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the, the, uh, the gift that God has for you and who are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animal enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will come thirsty. But those who drink the water I give them would never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So 1,800 years later, we still, we still got this well. Jesus meets a woman who's pretty dry. If you read about her history, she's had a tough time. It's not going well in her life. She hasn't got much to give, and Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And uh, Jesus knew she didn't have much. But it was just like a typical Jesus cunning strategy just to get the woman's attention. You know, when God asks you a question, he actually already knows the answer. <laughs> you know? And he just wants you to realise something. Can you give me a drink? Well, I haven't got much. He knows that. He wants you to realise something. He wants to give you something. He actually asked the woman to give him a drink, but he was actually about to give her something. Living water. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me. And I think even now, Jesus is waiting to give us living water. Her response, well, you know, I've got no rope. The well is too deep. But with Jesus, it doesn't matter. The obstacles are irrelevant. The arguments are irrelevant. Because you, you don't need to do it yourself. He gives it to you. And um, it doesn't matter if you know how to dig. It doesn't matter if you think you've got a well or not. He himself is the living water. And living water starts with him. And when we, we encounter God when we encounter Jesus. And he's, 
He's really the source of the well of water that's going to refresh us. So often we get it the wrong way around. We think, oh, what do I have to do? I have to get this, get my ducks lined up. I have to do this. I have to dig this. I have to get everything right so I can get this living water. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You need to meet with me. You just need to connect with me. I'll give you living water. And sure, it's important to put things into practice and to have good discipline, but that's not, that's not the starting point. The starting point is a person. It's Jesus. Uh, is someone complaining? Jess? Shout. Some. Here we go. That's right. We lost one. Thanks very much. Hey, I believe that God's heart is towards us this morning, towards you. And I'm aware that in a room this size, in some of our lives, you might have said, well, I've tried to drink of living water and it's been like it's a little bit bitter. And I was reminded just of a little, a little part of Israel's history. When the children of Israel, you know, had been delivered through the Red Sea and they found water but they couldn't drink it because it was bitter. So what Moses did, he threw a branch in the water and it made it sweet. And, and the branch is a picture of, of the cross and of Jesus. And uh, sometimes we've had those times when uh, it's not going well. I tried to drink and it hasn't tasted too good. And it's like, oh, hang on, we've got something for that. And again, it's Jesus. And he can turn things around. And, uh, you know, in a room this size, I'm sure there's some people. And uh, you know what they called that place? Um, God revealed his name. I'm the Lord who heals. That was the name. And after that, they went to a spring. And that spring had uh, 12 springs and 70 palm trees in it, straight after that place. They thought it was bitter. The waters were cleansed and they found an oasis, basically. And if you think, feel like you perhaps had a bit of a bitter time, you know, the cross of Christ is to make things sweet again. To make living water sweet, an oasis. Just a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 49.10 The Lord in his mercy will lead us beside cool springs of water. Psalm 23 He leads me beside still waters. Psalm 84 verse 6 Although they pass through the valley of weeping or the valley of Baca, they make it a spring and the rain covers up with pools. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are living water. And uh, many of us have had experiences in you where, where there's wells, Lord. And if they've, some of them are dried up a little bit, Lord, I pray uh, they'll be reactivated, Lord. If the cares of the world have seemed to have filled up the wells in our life, Lord, I pray that this is a, be a moment where they're reopened, Lord. Lord, as we see Jesus, uh, we'll be refreshed, Lord. In Jesus' name, we look to you. We thank you. Hey, you know what? I believe this next week is one of the things it's going to be is a time of refreshing. I spoke to Josh Greenwood 
yesterday. But, and he's coming over to open our conference on Wednesday. On Thursday, he's flying out to America. So he's driving in just to open it for us. And he said, Darren, I'm, this is yesterday. I'm thinking of, I'm going to speak about um, digging wells. I said, I'm going to speak about that tomorrow. Now, obviously, he's got to have a different slant on it. But I think, I've got a, I've got a feeling that God wants to refresh us. Refresh us. He'll be probably using the same scripture. I don't know. He said, do you want me to change it? I said, don't change it. Don't change it. You're, God wants to do something through it. He said, I was going to speak about that last year when we pulled the pin on the conference and we couldn't do it. But I feel to still speak about the same thing. And I tell you what, this is going to be a... My prayer will be a, a week of refreshing. And even if you're busy doing stuff and trying to organise things or uh, being part of that part of the team for conference, helping to clean, helping to organise rosters, I believe it's going to be a, a moment of refreshing for you as well. Why don't we just take a moment where we open up our, uh, maybe close our eyes and lift our hands if you want to do that and just say, Lord, fill me afresh. We want to encounter you now, Lord. But even through this week, Lord, let it be a time when we see with fresh eyes, Lord, that we're, we're revived, Lord, that vision is restored, that hope is revived, Lord God. That guidance and, and revelation is there, that you'll refresh thirsty souls. For, Lord, for the people in our church, those who are coming, those who are coming from, you know, around the state as well, who coming for a few days just to be here with us. We pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.